uh, the rest of us can uh, we'll get into our final message in Philippians this this morning. Part part of the reason part of the reason that we shared that video was not only to just let you all share in the blessings of the VBS that went on, but also to remind you that things do go on here at the church, even though it's not Sunday. We still got things going on, so there's reason to be in prayer about the ministries of the church, and the Lord has done some great things over the last week through the kids and with the adults that were there. And I think if you ask anybody who was here participating or or just uh, being a part of what we are doing, I think you will, they will tell you that it was a blessing uh, to be a part of the VBS. Chapter 4, y'all, in Philippians, this letter of joy um, that we're reading, Paul's information, Paul's uh, words to the Philippians about the joy that we find in Christ. And I found that the last two messages uh, have been helpful to me, not because I preached it, but because the Word of God was there, I hope, for you guys. And uh, as I mentioned, and I think I mentioned in both of the previous messages that uh, I preach to myself as much as I'm preaching to y'all and sometimes more. Okay? So just kind of be, be aware of that and be in prayer about that um, because we all live in the same world and we all serve the same God and we have the same joy available to us. The first message was Philippians chapter 1 was joy always, even in the middle of hard times, the middle of sad times, the middle of stressful, anxiety-filled times, there's always joy to be had, and hopefully we maybe have pointed out that the joy is there because God's promise to never leave us is there, right? So that should, uh, that should get us excited right away, and I hope that you guys are uh, excited, not just for chili cook-off tonight, but because we're here worshiping the Lord and reading His Word, and, and we're about to go into the world yet again, should the Lord give us the rest of the day to go and make disciples, Right? It's a joy to do that, even if it is hard to do that. Then uh, the, the second message was in chapter 2. We, we talked about the attitude that we uh, need to try to work towards to, to receive, live in the joy, or to experience the joy, allow the joy of the Lord to become the main thing in our life. Harder, easier said than done, isn't it? At times. It's okay to say, yeah, it's okay to say you struggle. Because I struggle with this. I struggle with all of this. This entire letter I struggle with. Because I'm a person, just like you are. Because life happens and things are difficult. And we have an enemy that does not want us to experience the joy of the Lord. Right? I hope that you know about this enemy. Because if you don't, he's probably going to gain some leverage on you because you're not aware. Right? No one can take this joy that we're talking from you. Satan cannot take it from you because this joy is in Christ. It's Jesus himself, the Spirit of God living in us. The question is, are we, just, are we, are we, are we able to look at him? Are we able to get our eyes on him? Right? Remember, I said easier said than done on purpose because that's kind of where we're going into today's message. Because the things we're going to talk about in chapter 4, just pull a little bit of chapter 4 out so maybe we can kind of top off this whole uh, thought with some practical things we can focus on or think about as we try to turn ourselves over to God and have him allow this joy to be the most prevalent thing in our life more often than not, 
right? No one expects you to be happy all the time. No one expects you to uh, live in a world that's full of sin and, and hardship without experiencing some emotions in regard to that. God doesn't even expect that from you. What God expects is that we be faithful to His promise. Right? And it's easy when you say it, but when you're in the middle of the storm or the darkness or whatever is causing you to take your eyes off of Jesus, it's difficult, isn't it? You know the joy is there, but you just can't look at it for some reason. You just can't make it the main thing. You know that he's there. You know that his promises are, are real in your life. But as I know as well as you do that life is bigger than we are at times. We can't always solve problems. We can't always fix dilemmas. We can't always do the right things. We can't always make the world be the way either we want it or God wants it. Or both. So what do we do? How can we, how can we have some wisdom from this letter to help us pursue what God wants us to have, which is joy. What Jesus died for us to have is joy. So really what we're going to talk about is the some ingredients that we give ourselves to the Lord and make it available for the Holy Spirit to, I guess, prepare this joy for us to experience, right? How many of y'all are making chili tonight? There's a, there's, I know there's a, like six of us on the list. How many of y'all are eating chili tonight? So here's what I'm asking. Those of you who are making chili, each one of us have a different recipe. Maybe some different ingredients, or maybe some of the same ingredients, but it's the way that you put them together that brings the flavor to where someone might enjoy it. Or not. Right? It's how you prepare the dish is what's important. The, those of you who are tasting the chili, I would imagine that you really don't care how it was put together as long as it's really good. What you experience, it, you want it to be great. If I know that's true because you wouldn't show up to eat it if that wasn't true. Right? I think sometimes that we are trying so hard to find the joy of the Lord that we are forgetting that it's God who puts the recipe together. It's God who, who's the one who has prepared the joy for us to consume and take part of and live in. So as we read starting in, uh, let's start in verse 6 and I'll maybe come back to verse 4 of chapter 4. There's going to be three things we can kind of look at and sleep on and pray about and ask the Lord to help us with. Verse 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything be by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. All right? Anybody ever worry about anything? You don't have to raise your hand. Everybody knows you do. We all, we all do from time to time. Maybe sometimes, sometimes we get in a position where we're obsessively worrying where we shouldn't. And then there's other times when it's just a fleeting thing. We're like, oh, I'm not, I shouldn't be worried about this. Let me give it to the Lord kind of situation. Those are great moments, aren't they? Because you feel victory right away. Because you're trusting God. 
This is why in Matthew chapter 6, you'll find that Jesus teaches us that, that we're not to be warriors. Because God takes care of all things. Here's what, here's what helps me. If I realize that God takes care of all of his creation, and me being a human being, he loves me enough to send Jesus to die on a cross and be resurrected so that I could have the opportunity to be with him for eternity which tells me that the human beings that God created are the most special of his creation because Jesus didn't die for all the rest of the creation, did he? He died for me and you because we were separated from God. And if God takes care of the birds and the, and the fish and the animals and everything else he created, if it's all in his hands, then what do I need to worry about? What on earth would I ever have to worry about? Now, I wish... I could help you understand. Maybe you do. I need to be down there as much as you need to be down there listening to this. Right? So why why do we worry? It's not because we don't trust God, is it? Everybody in this room, I believe, trusts God. Sometimes the darkness is bigger than we are. Sometimes the hardship is bigger than we are. Sometimes it's hard to see God because of it all. You could be right in the middle of whatever God is doing in your life and you are just so affected, it's difficult. Now, there is nothing in this Bible that I have found that assures me that just this Christian life and this trusting God is going to be easy. And I, I don't expect to find that. I've quit looking for that, as a matter of fact. Because the more I look for that, the more I'm going to be disappointed. So I must, I must understand that God is not expecting me to have an easy time. He's expecting me to just trust Him. And don't worry. You notice he says in verse 6, he says, don't be anxious about anything. I, if I were you, I would underline, underline the word anything in your Bible. Circle it, put a square around it, highlight it with two or three highlighters. Anything. But you don't understand, preacher. You don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't, most of the time. Just like you don't understand what goes on in my life sometimes. But we have the same God and we have the same spirit. We have the same Savior. We have the same promise. So together, we strengthen each other so that we can trust God more and more. And the anxiety will go away and the joy will take its place. That's what we do. You don't have to be happy-go-lucky, smiling all the time to trust God and feel the joy of the Lord. You just shouldn't worry. Look what else he says after that comment. He says, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what do you do when you just can't put it down? When you just can't turn away from it? When you can't get it off your mind or your heart? You talk to God. And you keep talking to God until it's gone. 
Too many times our prayer life is so short. Did you pray about it? Yeah, I just, I, I, I mentioned it to God 10 minutes ago. I think, I think that Paul is trying to help us understand that when we cannot stop worry or cannot stop the anxiety or the fear or whatever's going on that takes our focus off of the joy that exists, I think it's because we don't talk to God enough about it. If I'm busy talking to God, think about it, y'all. Those of us who are in Christ, we have access to God. We can go into his presence at any time, covered by the blood of Christ. He wants us to be there. He wants us to talk about what he already knows about. And if you, if you, if you have children, you know what it means to be willing to sit and listen to your children as long as it takes for them to get through things. Right? Even if it's something silly. Even if it's something that means nothing in the world, it means everything to that child. And you sit and you listen and you help them understand. And you help them work through it. And you help them grow out of it. You help them move along and become adults. That's what our Lord does. That's why Jesus died on the cross. God doesn't expect us to grow spiritually on our own. He doesn't expect us to be experts at living in His joy and never have an anxiety in our lives. He expects us to bring it to Him and stay there until He helps us do it. That could be a day. That could be a little while, an hour. It could be a lifetime over certain things. Couldn't it? So Paul's not saying you're, you're terrible or you're a bad person or you're not a good Christian if you worry. He's saying, know what to do with the worry. Know what to do with the anxiety and the stress and the problems. Go to God. He says, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Sometimes, sometimes we take so long to go to God, it's almost as if God would say, when we finally do show up, where have you been? I've been waiting for you to come here and talk to me about this with this unnecessary suffering because you didn't come to me. Have you ever think about it that way? I've thought about it that way. And then you feel better. You start. You suddenly feel like the joy of the Lord is coming back, right? And it's there all the time, and you're just like, whoa, how, how am I looking at this problem over here when the, the, the joy of the Lord is over here? I can't, I, I can't help but think about uh, uh, Peter when he gets out of the boat. He sees his Savior. He sees Jesus. And he's like, I don't care what's going on. I want to be where he is. Because where he is is right. So he says, can I come be with you? And Jesus is like, well, of course. Get out. Come on. And he jumps out of the boat and starts walking across the water. And he's, and he's like focused on Jesus. He's looking at Jesus. He's like, I'm going wherever he is. And that's all that matters in my life right now. Storm raging. And then we know how the story goes. We know how the account went. It says that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and then what happened? Suddenly the storm took over. Suddenly he began to sink into the water and he felt like his life was over and he screams out for Jesus to save him once again because he took his eyes 
off of the source of the joy. Right? I don't think it was wrong. that I don't think it was such a wrong thing that Jesus uh, uh, invited him to come and walk on the water and that Peter did that and then he sank into the water because he took his eyes off of Jesus. I think it's a human thing to do. If we could be perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus, y'all. I mean, Jesus walked over and saved him and he's like, you have little faith. That hits me in the forehead, y'all. Because when the storms of anxiety and worry take over and I finally go back to God in prayer, that's always what I hear. What are you worried about? What seems to be the problem? I don't think that, I don't really believe that God is a smart aleck to me. But I do believe that God knows he needs to be blunt with me. And sometimes I hear God in my mind say, what's going on? You should already know this. We're going to learn this again. Let's do it again. Right? Because that's the way we are. But here's what's, here's what's awesome about God. The joy is never gone. His love and mercy and His grace, His forgiveness, His patience, it never goes away. No matter how long it takes me to get right, no matter, no matter how long it takes me to clear my mind, of this anxiety, stress, and worry, he's always there. He's always been there. That's you. Know, you ever notice when uh, when you're you're learning how to swim, and and maybe if you've ever had any lifeguard training or any kind of emergency rescue training, the, the number one rule about helping a person who's drowning is make sure they don't make you drown, because they're in a state of panic. And they're doing everything they can do to stay alive. And you're trying to help them, and they're actually hurting you. And I think sometimes we can be like that spiritually, except for God. We can't, we can't hurt God. He just, it's kind of like uh, when, it, when your two-year-old is throwing a temper tantrum, you just kind of hold them off, and you're just kind of waiting for them to stop. <laughs> not, you're just trying to keep them from hurting themselves. It's like, okay, let me know when you're done with this, and then we'll move on. It's It's hard because we live in a world that's, difficult but God is expecting us to live by faith in every part of our life God is expecting us in every part of our life to live by faith and that means we live we live in confidence in the things that we can't see like how is God going to solve this problem how is God going to make this better how is God going to carry me through how is God working in whatever the problem is? Sometimes it's years later we find out how. Look at verse 7 and we'll move on to the next thing. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If, if we live in anxiety more than we live in the joy of the Lord... We're surrendering the peace that comes with God. There's no peace in anxiety. There's no peace in worry. There's no peace in fear. There's no peace in chaos. All of those things are contagious, by the way. Aren't they? 
You ever been in a good mood and then suddenly you get around a few people who aren't in a good mood and you're just like, what happened to my day? If, you don't, if you've never experienced that, then you've probably done that to somebody else. <laughs> Ruin their day, right? Just, just trying to point that out. Let's not be those people. Try not to be those people. And if we are, then let the Lord help us and we can repent and be forgiven. He's, he's given instructions on how to clear our minds of worry. Because remember I said it's easier said than done, isn't it? Not to worry and not to be anxious and not to be uh, fearful about things in life. How do we do this? How do we do it without letting Satan convince us to question our faith? Just because it's hard. Well, I must not be a faithful person. I can't seem to put it down. Give yourself some grace. Worry is the opposite of faith. Just know that. You don't have to know how God's going to work it out or take it away or make it better or change this or get you through or, or help you grow. You don't have to know the answer to stand firm in the faith that God is God. And I think that's where sometimes, at least I struggle, as I'm waiting for the answer and God's just saying, let's just move forward. Let's just go about the Lord's business. Let's look at what's happening. Which takes us into the second point of focus. Focus on the blessings. I want you all to do an exercise really quickly. I'm really trying not to rush through this, but at the same time, I'm trying not to take too long. Think about your life. Think about any of the times that you felt anxious or worried or there was a season of trouble and you just were struggling spiritually. It doesn't even matter what it is or was. I want you to look back and think about what else was going on in your life and in the world around you. And can we find where the Lord was working great things in your life or the life of those around you? Can you find, can you see where the Lord was blessing you or others around you? Regardless of the stress and trouble in your life. I know almost every time, maybe every time, I can say to myself, if I would have just looked at those things, this worry wouldn't, wouldn't have taken over my time and my mind and in my heart. The worry wouldn't have interfered with what the Lord is doing for me. I don't know how many times the Lord has used me or my family and I missed out completely on what He was doing because I was lost in anxiety. He still had His way and people were still blessed. However which way He was doing that, I missed out. Because I didn't see it. I was looking at the storm. So we focus on the blessings. We have to create spiritual habits as we grow. We have to create uh, some, some mental habits, some spiritual habits that help us have a reaction to the stress or the anxiety that wells up in our hearts because of situations to where we say, let's go to God, let's talk to God, let's trust God. And then once we do those things, we start saying to God, show me what you're doing, show me what you want me to look at, what you want me to focus on, and then ask Him for the help to do it. Because if we could do it on our own, we wouldn't even need to go talk to Him, would we? It's, it's hard. You ever been, you ever been uh, stuck in the mud? 
whether it's in your vehicle. One time we were walking out and uh, we were we were going deer hunting and it was uh, out there in eastern North Carolina and it had just rained a lot and it's kind of like uh, sur- uh, sea level out there, swampy stuff. And we stepped in some mud one time that our our shoe our shoes came off our feet. It's one of them kind of muds where it just it just it's like you cannot you couldn't you can't get the boot out of the mud. Even after your foot's out of it, you reach down, you're pulling on it's like it's glued in there now. And that's how we feel when we're stuck in anxiety and worry, aren't we? That's exactly how I feel anyway. I can't, I can't get my shoe out of the mud to save my life. Sometimes it takes the Spirit of God along with some other brothers and sisters in Christ to come along and say, let's stop looking at the shoe and let's see what else the Lord's doing. Right? Because once that mud dries up, the Lord will get that shoe out of there for you. Some things will never change. Some hardships. But you know what? God's always faithful. Please don't live your whole life being saved and miserable at the same time. It can happen. There's a lot of people who are believers that are just miserable. And they're missing out on all the blessings of God's joy in their life. And it's really difficult for them to make disciples that way. Who wants, to be, who wants to be like me if I'm miserable all the time? Who wants to come and follow Jesus? Well, why would I follow Jesus? Look at all them people that follow Jesus. They're all miserable. Why would I want to do that? This is, this is just the way the Lord helps me. Look what it says in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, let's think about those things. That's a long list, isn't it? Right? Because sometimes I need help. Like, don't, don't say amen. <laughs> sometimes I do need help. Sometimes the Lord has to tell me how to do something. I'm saying, God, I want to do everything you want me to do. I want you to tell me how to do it. And I had to learn when I first got saved, I had to learn that I can't just read short parts of the Bible and then go out and try really hard to do it. I have to wait for instruction. And then when I get the instructions, I need to try to do it exactly the way God tells me to do it. Don't go off to the left. Don't go off to the right. Stay right on course. It's impossible, isn't it? If we could be perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. That's why when I'm up here struggling to get the chords right on the music for y'all, it bothers me, but it's not the end of the world because I know that y'all don't expect me to be perfect. And I know that if anybody comes into this church and sees us sometimes missing something or messing up this or not doing this exactly right, it just lets them know that we're not perfect. And you don't have to be perfect to follow the Lord. You just have to trust Him. The more we trust Him, the more we surrender to Him, the more we take our storms and turn them over to Him and turn our eyes on to Jesus, the more we're going to experience His joy and then we're going to see all of these things. What's noble? Right? What's right? What's true? You want to know why it's hard in these days to be a Christian in the middle of a society that seems to be turning itself upside down? Because we're focused on the problems of society. We're not focused on Jesus sometimes. We're just getting mad along with the rest of the world. I'm guilty. That's why I don't look at the news very much anymore. It makes me mad. 
Like, why people, why, why is everybody acting this way? Why is everybody acting the way they're acting? And at the same time, Jesus, in his teachings, and the word of God is telling me, why are you acting the way you're acting? I don't know. There's a little bit of this, it's, it's a decision that we can make, isn't it? Now, I'm not going to get, I'm going to be real careful here. Because I know that it's, it's, a, it's a little bit more difficult than just making a decision to be different. It really is. There are people that struggle with things that if they could decide to do it different, they would. If that's, if that's how easy it was, then we'd all do something different, wouldn't we? But I say we let the Lord have our minds. I say we let the truth of God's word and his promises get past our minds into our hearts so that the spirit of God would have his way. And then he will bring it back to our minds. And then our minds will be able to be changed by God. It's God who changes our minds. That's how people get saved. Because they're exposed to the truth. The truth has its way in their heart. And their, their minds are changed. And they're saved. Because of their commitment to Christ. I want you to do, do, don't raise your hand. Don't answer this question out loud. Ask yourself. And then go talk to God about it. Do you think that you are a negative person? Are you a person who is negative about everything? Are you a person who is negative about everything you do in your life? Do you criticize yourself about everything that you do? Do you criticize other people? Do you knock everybody down? Are you a negative person? If that's true for you, it doesn't have to be because people who live in the joy of the Lord and the joy of the Lord rules in their heart cannot be negative people all the time. Right? Now, I'm not saying you haven't, you know, I've been negative. You guys can be negative. We all can be negative from time to time. I'm saying living in a state of negativity. You want to know how I've solved the problem in the past? Uh, there was a time when I was regularly going on mission trips. Wherever anybody invited me to go, I would go. I, I mean, I've. We've been uh, out of the country. We've been uh, different places around here. We were places where we used to live. And we did all kind of stuff. Whatever anybody said, let's go help some people. Let's go do something for somebody else. And I'd jump in the car or the van or, and went with the group of people thinking we're going to go off and be a blessing to somebody else. And God's going to get the glory and I'm going to be uh, somebody who's serving the Lord in a great way. And every single time two things happen. I come home totally involved in God's joy. My life changed forever. And the second thing, the stress was gone. And I realized that it's not about me. It's not about what I'm doing for somebody else. It's not about my life and what the problems are in my life. It's about God getting the glory for the joy that he promised those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. I think 
the conclusion sometimes can be that when we live in the storms of life and we can't get ourselves out, it's a faith issue sometimes. Maybe we need to exercise our faith or strengthen our faith, or maybe that's just where we are in our Christian walk. It's just part of our journey. But I also think it's a spiritual battle that goes on because Satan does not want you to experience his joy. Satan wants you to walk away from the joy of God. He wants you to believe it's not real. He wants you to believe that God doesn't care anything about you. He wants to convince you to give up on Him so that you can just go and live a life that you want to live. There's a lot of ways before I was a believer, there's a lot of ways that I would go and solve the stress in my life. There's a lot of ways to forget about stuff. Engulf yourself in whatever you were doing, whatever your hobbies are, whatever. That's how people get on drugs and alcohol and other addictions. They're, try, they're running away from things, trying to solve things by creating a new reality. And just because we're not on drugs and alcohol doesn't mean we don't do the same thing sometimes. Do good things, y'all. Look at verse 9 right here, and then I'll finish up. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You notice, you notice the promise right there? It's right there in verse 9 and it's there in verse 8. No, it's there in, it's there in verse, uh, 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 verse 4. That's where we're going. Rege- rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evidence to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is always near. How many of y'all can say you rejoice in the Lord always? I wish I wish we could. Love God and love people. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what God has commanded us to do? Sometimes we have to go to God and say, tell us how to do that. How do I love God and love people? You, you can ask my wife. I'm not always good at doing that. I know that's a surprise for y'all, but it's just true. What I appreciate is that God surrounds me and you with people who have grace. And that's where joy is found. That's where you find the joy. You find the joy when you're forgiven, when you're given space, grace is given, when you're celebrating with each other, when you're walking on the water with Jesus. You find the joy when you're sinking into the storm and Jesus saves you one more time. Life happens. Stress is real. Emotions are real. The joy of the Lord is a real, very real and permanent thing. I hope that you guys will experience that more often than not. I hope that we can grow together and we can continue to grow in learning how to live in that, 
more often than not. It would be a knee-jerk reaction for us to uh, rebuke any of Satan's lies and say to ourselves that the joy of the Lord is alive and well in my life, regardless of the storm. And whether we can smile or not, there's joy. Jesus died on the cross because we had been separated from joy. That's what death is. Spiritual death is complete separation from any kind of joy whatsoever. Can you imagine for eternity being separated from God and His holiness for forever, permanent? We think of things like torment. We think of things like fire. We think of things like um, gnashing of teeth and things that the scripture teaches us it's horrifying to think about never being able to talk to God again and those of us who are saved we have access to him anytime right why on earth would we why on earth would we stay in our misery if we can just go to God I don't mean it's wrong to be there but just don't stay there that's what, that's what Paul's trying to say to the Philippians. He's like, look, it's still there. It's still there. Let's show the world how to find joy, how to live in this joy. Jesus died so that the joy can be alive in you. Isn't that great? All right. I love y'all, and the Lord loves y'all. We're going to sing right now. If you've never been saved, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never experienced the joy that we've been talking about, not even for a little bit. If you've never experienced any of that, now's the day. Peter tells us to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. That means stop being an offender of God. Stop rejecting God. Accept Jesus as a reality. Accept him as Lord and Savior. Then it says to uh, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what God says. So that's what we do. It gets better. After you're forgiven, he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will continue to remind you of this joy we're talking about. This joy that we can live in forever. Not only live in it, but share it. Isn't that great? I mean, who wants to have a chili cook-off if God isn't real? Who wants, to, who wants to have fellowship if God's not involved? Right? Why do we care even about loving each other if God doesn't exist? Think about it. Let's sing together. You ready? Let's stand together.